This Connect podcast series is brought to you by Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome. I'm Karen Cole, Editor-in-Chief of Talent Talks and Life Online. Welcome back, Eric. It's great to have you with us again today. And this is, of course, to conclude our discussion on the skills leaders need to develop in order for them to build engagement and connect with others. And of course, we started this discussion in in the last part of our series, and we there's so much just to delve into. So I'm, I'm glad that today we're getting another opportunity to really delve into the the detail that sits within just this module alone in Future Fit Academy. But for our listeners that might be joining for the first time, we are we are at the moment discussing getting fit for the future, and we're focusing specifically on the module that Future Fit Academy teaches, which is engaging and connecting with others, a, a crucial leadership skill just for, for where leaders are today and the, the world that they're having to navigate. But Eric, just from your perspective, can you just put it in a little bit of context, you know, background, Future Fit Academy, what is the main purpose that, that you guys are striving for in terms of, of the work that you do? Thanks, Karen. Great to be with you again. So Future Fit Academy is really about helping individuals, teams, and leaders remain relevant in an ever-changing world of work. So we work with a set of skills. We have a tool called the Future Fit Index that assesses one's readiness and mindset around 15 skills. These skills are categorized. The 15 skills are bucketed, if you want, into three buckets. These are new ways of thinking for the world of work, new ways of leveraging opportunities and, and, and identifying opportunities. And the third bucket is connecting and engaging with others. Absolutely. And that's, of course, where we are today and just delving into a lot more detail in that because it's such a rich module and it's, you know, anything that involves people requires quite a lot of insight and, and work. Absolutely. Karen, I mean, we're working with, with changing human mindsets and, and human behavior. And as you know, it's a complex thing to do. You know, it, it's not easy. So yeah, the 15 skills all very much integrated. They feed off each other. They work in an integrated manner, particularly the five skills in each category. And yeah, it's exciting work with you. Absolutely. And and throughout the series, we've, we've really seen just how interrelated these skills are and that you, you know, again, going back to, to what you said in the first episode, it's that both and model. We, we can't just be strong in one of these anymore. We leaders have to, we definitely have to have this both and approach. And particularly, I want to pick up on in, in the, in this module really around engaging and connecting with others. And we're seeing this coming through in, in the focus on diversity and equity and inclusion within organizations at the moment. But do you include the skill of cultural adaptability? And I think this is key. And I'd like you to please discuss this in more detail. What is your take on cultural adaptability and why is it so important? So, Karen, I think we work in a world that is becoming increasingly smaller. We work across geographic borders, across cultures, 
We work across demographic groups, different generations. It is absolutely critical that we develop an appreciation and an understanding of differences between us and others, and that we are willing to, in fact, adapt our behavior so as to better understand and better connect to people that are different from ourselves. And that's where, where the dimension of culture comes in. Absolutely critical now and more in the future as we continue to work across cultural divides that we understand this thing called cultural adaptability. Absolutely. And how do you teach this? What are some of the covered, what are the methods that you use to to develop a leader's cultural adaptability? And I think this could, okay, just in my mind, sorry, Eric, this goes back to always curiosity to a certain extent. Absolutely. So, so you're absolutely correct. In fact, one of the components in our module on curiosity or cultivating a curious mind is about being curious of others and what makes others tick. It's about being curious and not judging others. And in fact, that's one of the curiosity pieces. So absolutely right, Karen, completely integrated is being curious, suspending judgment, asking the why questions about other people. If I link that back to, to culture, you know, culture, it's a lens through which a group of people view the world. It's, it's a, a lens through which people make sense of what they see. And one person's lens from a cult, one culture may be different to the lens of another person from another culture. Now, if we don't understand the differences and we don't appreciate them, it opens up or causes conflict. We may misinterpret it. So going back to your question, how do we how do we do this? Like with most of our modules, the starting point has to be what are my inhibitors? What could be preventing me from being culturally adaptable? You know, why may I not have the cultural awareness that I need? And we start with helping individuals understand what could be some biases, because that often sits at the core of cultural conflict. You know, do I have any preconceived ideas, any prejudices, any biases? And maybe I don't know I have them, or maybe I'm not aware of the unintended consequences of these biases when I deal with someone of another culture. So the starting point for us has to be surfacing any biases, prejudices, and the unintended consequences that someone may have. And then, of course, it's about adapting. You know, this, this culture adaptability very closely linked to one of our other modules, the module on adaptability. Here, we apply the adaptability to adapting to different cultures because it's it's the combination 
adaptability and cultural adaptability, taking action that creates opportunities. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's critical. Eric, another skill that you've focused in here that I thought was really interesting and I'd, I'd like you to unpack that for us is you've placed specific emphasis on influence without authority. Could you tell us more about this? Absolutely. So Karen, influence, you know, leaders in the, in, in the new world of work, even now, I suppose, but, but maybe more so in the, in the world we are, we are in and moving more into is effective leaders will need to work with and influence people where they do not have positional authority over these people. So the ability to influence others without the positional authority, to influence others by better understanding them, by demonstrating empathy and compassion, by better connecting with them, is going to be, is and is going to become more of a critical skill. So for us, influence without authority is about giving the leader the tools so that this leader can get others to cooperate, to engage, to willingly follow them because of who they are being, not because they are the boss. And I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, and I think, as you say, it's critical, you know, if we think about organizations flattening out and and just the use of, you know, not only, you know, just the flexible workforce or the liquid workforce coming into play, et cetera, this does become quite key as we as we lead. It's essentially leadership at a whole different level, isn't it? Absolutely. So we, we see the evolution of teams here and playing out where, in the gig economy and in the superstructured organization, people may be more involved in cross-functional, cross-cultural teams on a project basis. And you will find ourselves in situations where as part of this cross-functional, cross-cultural project team, we have to lead people, but we don't necessarily have the typical hierarchical organizational or positional power and then we have to as leaders tap into our ability to influence people that we're working with without the authority and that's you know what what we work with this positional or formal power that we have been accustomed to which obligates people to do what i want is not going to cut it in your work such interesting times that we that we are in. Let's speak about connectedness. And I think this is probably a really difficult one, especially in a hybrid context. How do you encourage leaders to build connectedness within their teams? So Karen, the, 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 the key firstly is that they need to connect to self. So the starting point for connecting to others must be connecting to self. So that's, that's our starting point. Then we have an added dimension, which is how do you connect to others when you are not with them physically? So working together apart adds a challenge to connectedness. So we see and we've heard reports, especially since the pandemic, of people feeling isolated because they're working from home or they're working from anywhere. People miss him 
this sense of belonging because, you know, they're working again in isolation. So a big challenge for leaders is to bring about the sense of we are one. We are together. We have a common purpose. We must be aligned with passion behind a common goal and objective. And how do we do virtue? And and that's the, the skill of connectedness that we work with comes together with our other course on or skill on virtual collaboration. How do you create this connectedness through technology when you're not together, when you're working together apart? How do you collaborate and bring about this connectedness in an asynchronous manner when you're not even working together apart, you're working alone apart, but you still have to collaborate? And, and those are the tools that we work with in our module on virtual collaboration, a big part of which is how do I create a digital presence for me as the leader and how do I make sure that I connect with others, create the psychological safety, give them a sense of belonging, make them feel part of a team when we are working together apart or when we are working alone apart. And, and these skills come together in that, in that sense. Absolutely. And, and like you said, building this sense of connectedness, you know, when we're, as you said, working working together but alone, essentially, it's, it's incredibly important if, if leaders really want to, to work or improve a virtual collaboration. And essentially, it's a key skill that they're going to have to build. But firstly, tell me, do you think it's possible for us to collaborate effectively in a virtual environment? And so I'm asking for more of an opinion than a, than a, than a, you know, a, a different answer here. And then secondly, if it is possible to do this effectively in a virtual environment, how does a leader go about encouraging virtual collaboration? What are some of the pitfalls that you've seen that we need to be aware of? Okay, in the first part of the question, I think, you know, in my opinion, we can't collaborate effectively virtually so, so virtual collaboration is definitely doable and possible i think there are two parts to that very often it's less about my digital literacy it's more about my mindset it's more about the mindset that says i'm not co-located with these people i'm, I'm working in a different location but the mindset is we can work together apart or we can work together alone. So for, for us, virtual collaboration is, and in my opinion, more about the, the mindset one has. Obviously, we need to know how to use the digital tools that are available. So the digital literacy, understanding the set of tools that exist out there, and sharing tools and you know, all the tools that are out there that one can use for for virtual collaboration. Yes, we need to master those. There are enterprise collaboration tools, document management. There's web content and experience tools. So yes, we, we do need to know and understand that, but it is possible. The second question, how do we, how do we prepare? How does it either get people to connect virtually? I think it's some of the same principles 
that a leader would use to get a team to connect in the real world, in the physical space. It's just that these are heightened in importance when doing so virtually. So for example, you know, a good practice for virtual collaboration is having a team charter, the, the team that is working together apart, this virtual distributed team. The leader has to spend more time ensuring that everyone is on the same page. We all understand our reason to work together. What is our purpose? What is our common goal that we are pursuing? What is everyone's individual responsibility or outcome? What is it? Why am I part of this virtual team? What's my contribution? And how does it fit into the other people's contribution? And that's important in the physical co-located team. It becomes more important in this virtual team. So the leader has to communicate and communicate and communicate again and get people to feel the sense of belonging, that they are making a meaningful contribution, that they know and understand what they are there to do and how they will do it with other people. That's the first thing in virtual collaboration. You know, one of the, the key practices is making sure that everybody understands the common purpose and what they need to do. So that's the first thing. The other one with that I just want to highlight is, again, because as I've said in one of the previous conversations, we as human beings are social beings, we need to understand each other at a personal level as well. So the virtual team leader has to factor in to this team building, if you want, the space to allow people to get to understand each other at more of a personal level. So we really do need to, leaders really do need to work on making sure that the people in this virtual team understand each other at a, at a, at a more personal level. And, and that then, you know, the team charter, if we can call it that, this clear, articulated, this is who we are, this is why we exist, this is why we're working together, this is our goal, here is how our individual roles are aligned, together with understanding each other, at least call it on a personal level, helps this virtual collaboration. Absolutely. Thank you, Eric. I think that is a, a great place to end, and I certainly see the value in in what FutureFit Academy has to offer. And I think it must be a phenomenal course and that you you have great success with the leaders that you put through it. And certainly the from my perspective, the right combination of skills that leaders need in order to be effective in, in this new world of work or hybrid world of work that we have entered into. Uh, just before we end the series, I'd just like to hand over to you just to see if there's anything you know else that you just want to throw in there or bring up as we come to an end. Kevin, thank you. Yeah, I would just like to say, you know, I mean, people need to, to start the journey. One can't develop and change if we don't acknowledge what needs to develop and change. I mean, the, the, what I would say to anybody listening, Karen, is do the future fit assessment, the index, and the index and the report that the index generates will give you a very good sense of the learning journey that one should consider to develop the skills that 
that it requires some development. And I think the other note just to mention, the value of the Future Fit Index also comes into making sure that we don't overuse some of the skills that we have. So as I've said before, just as there are developmental areas, one needs to be appropriately using the areas of strength. So I would encourage all people that are listening to go and take the Future Fit Index. Absolutely. I think it would be a very, very worthwhile activity for them to do. Eric, I've really enjoyed creating this series with you. And just again, for those listeners joining us, perhaps for the first time, you are listening to part six of our Getting Fit for the Future series, of course, with Dr. Eric Albertini. During this series, Eric and I have been discussing how the Future Fits Academy interprets our shifting landscape into a new set of leadership skills, which are better suited to leading within the new complexity of hybrid work environments. As Eric has said, I would highly recommend jumping on as a leader, even somebody with ambitions to step into a leadership position, to, to jump on and, and complete that assessment, see where your gaps are, make sure you're not only playing to your strengths, but also you know, using them to, to help cultivate or support some of those areas that you may need further development on as well. But fantastic set of skills, Eric. Thank you so much. Karen, thank you very much. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversations and thank you. Excellent.